Welcome to the Intern Whisperer podcast. Happy New Year. This is the last day of the year, and we're going to do this show pretty much like it's live. So you're probably going to hear our snippets kind of pop up randomly. I am without a video editor this time, so I am taking my shot at it, and I'm sure it's going to be pretty amusing. So no editing. We're just going to be going straight on into the show. So today's interim whisperer tip of the week is because it is the end of the year, be sure to recognize your team and social presence. We all know that people love to be shown that they're recognized for their contributions. It creates a sense of pride that their leader remembered them at the end of the year. And it also sets the tone for the new year. So be sure to go and give your your employees, your your fellow partners, whoever they are, just make sure that you recognize them and say, hey, thanks, and tag them, tag them. People love that. Hopefully, most people are on social channels. Now, the highlights. This is what's going to happen with this, this uh, particular show. So this is episode 181, and we are going to be looking at the best of what came out of 2021 based on what you guys we're downloading. So today's show is the highlights of the podcast guests from 2021. Now we hope you're really going to enjoy the highlights of the show because even still we're doing a, uh, a little bit of a competition and today is the last day to download. And so we asked everybody to go and we tagged every guest that's been on the show in our LinkedIn and we went and said, hey, go download the shows. Well, guess what? We actually surpassed 4,000 downloads. And in the course of three months, we've had over 75% increase of the shows being downloaded. So that's all because of you guys. And we really appreciate that. We want to make sure that you know who these people are that you've been listening to. And hopefully that sends you back to go listen to some people that maybe you missed. I will make sure to share the episode number so you know what to look for. And just as a reminder, the Interim Whisper streams on your favorite podcast channels. We use Podbean, a little shout out for Podbean, as our hosting channel. But you can also watch the video podcast on the Employers for Change YouTube or Facebook video channel. So be sure to visit our website, the letter E, the number four, the letter C is in cat, dot tech, T-E-C-H to find these video channels if you want to watch them instead of listening to them. So we've had 52 podcasts, as I mentioned, and we just don't have enough time to spotlight every single person in the show. And so hopefully you listen to episode 178, 179, and 180. That's where our interns went and picked their favorite shows. They each got to pick four. So you can go and check out those. But we're going to start, oh, and by the way, they're not in any particular order. So the first one we're going to be pulling up here is episode 177 with Kent Gustafson and Randy Baker. Now these two, they really should have their own show. I'm going to tell you, if you didn't see this show, be please go and watch it. It kind of felt like it was a little bit hijacked because we were we were talking about things that were not typically found in our format, but I'm pretty sure that you'll like it. Now, in this particular episode that I'm pulling up, Randy Baker is telling us a piece of mentoring advice that he received when he was first getting his, when he had his first job. 
So give me just the best piece of advice I can give is the advice that I was given by my mentor in my first real job. Um, took me aside one day, my manager took me aside one day and sat me down and said, you know, Randy, you're really good at what you do. So I'm thinking, which was, well, I was an accountant. I was working for KPMG. Um, I progressed through, well, I became a a supervisor with KPMG before I actually got my degree finished, which was unheard of. but he sat me down and said, you're really good at what you do, which is great. Um, well, I'm thinking this is really good. And then he said, the problem is you just don't listen. I said, what do you mean I just don't listen? He said, well, you think you know what it is that I want. So when I ask you for something, you give me what you think I want. Well, you got to stop doing that. you got to start giving me what I ask for. That's really solid advice. I'm sure everybody agrees with that. And being able to have really good active listening skills is high up there on the list of something that we hope that we demonstrate as a person in the workplace and also in your personal life, right? But it's also something we want to see in our employees. So I really appreciate Randy's advice at that particular one. The next episode I'm gonna be pulling up is Dana Marie Rockamore. That's episode 175, I'm sorry, 172. And Dana is the owner and founder of a company called The Dinner Party Project. I have gone to these events. They are spectacular. And you have to be in Orlando to experience it. So if you're in Orlando and you're visiting, be sure to put that on your to-do list before you come here because the waiting list is... It's pretty substantial. Now, what do you get out of that? You get to go and have dinner with seven complete strangers. It is a four course meal where you sit down and there is a guided conversation where you get to ask questions of the people that you're with. It's really interesting. I like it a lot. It starts with cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and then it goes into a salad or a soup, and then there's the entree, and then there's dessert. And throughout the course of the dinner, there is paired wines and other beverages, adult beverages, but other beverages that you get to have. And it is the most relaxing event. You might think it could be a little stressful because you're going, oh, I don't know these people. But how many networking events do you go to and you don't really know anybody? It's just, a, they're in like pop-up places, really It could be in somebody's home. It could be over in an abbey. It could be inside of a a plane hangar. But the point is, it's really, really interesting. And I hope that you guys really enjoy this particular conversation that I had with Dana. So a friend of mine around that time had asked, you know, kind of like, what brings you joy and what brings you life? And what are you not doing that you should be doing? And so I thought on that and I thought, well, I guess if I could just do like anything that I wanted to do, I would throw dinner parties. I love gathering people around my dinner table. You know, I do that intrinsically and I just love the kind of the magic that happens around a dinner table, which is is just gathering with food and drink and questions and 
So I was like, I have this idea. I'll throw everyone's name into a pot that wants to participate and grab, you know, seven names out of a hat. And then I'll invite them. My dinner table seats eight people. I'll be the host. I will do drinks and we'll do four courses. Um, I love eating a lot. I love drinking. So I just wanted to be able to like have this kind of like set time that people could come and meet new people. So that was Dana, and she was telling us about that particular experience. I found it really engaging, like I said, and super, super fun. I, I really hope that you guys also feel the same way. The next show that I'm going to be pulling up here for you is episode 164. That's with Bob Reed. He is the program manager at Starter Studio. That was one of the programs that I, the first one, that I graduated from. It's an accelerator here in Orlando, Florida. And Starter Studio has a near and dear place for just about everybody that's graduated out of that program. Can't speak for everyone, but for definitely for me. Bob's background is extensive. He was in the marketing and sales industry. So as a program manager, he's a really good expert to be pulling from when you're trying to figure out how much should I sell this for, whatever your widget is, so to speak. Bob was giving us some advice about what branding is. And that's a, a really interesting term also. A lot of people go, well, I think branding is this. So myself and um, the intern that was with me, Elizabeth, we wanted to be able to say, hey, this is what we think the definition is. What do you think it is, Bob? But if you listen to the whole rest of the show, you're gonna be amazed and learn so much, so rapidly, and I would encourage you that with every single one of these guests that I am sharing with you today, that you go and look at their websites, go look them up on LinkedIn, connect with them on LinkedIn, but especially Bob. He is a really good marketing and sales mentor. He's worked over there at Disney. He's worked at American Express. He worked in, let's see, I think it was Verizon. I think it was. But he has extensive background, and he is now one of the mentors with NASDAQ's Milestone Maker program. I'm just going to drop another little program out there for people to check out. I graduated from that program also, and it's part of the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. It's something that they take, uh, take on, and they make sure that they're sharing with other people. So here's Bob Reed telling us about what his take is on branding. So let's go back then, and just so our listeners know, most of them are in business, but I think having yeah. a definition of what branding is and how yeah. that is used, and because, okay, this is my definition, and then before you answer, Bob, I want to hear what Elizabeth <laughs> says she thinks branding okay. is too. So to me, branding is I'm creating a logo. I want to have a story behind my logo. It's either the design or the colors or something. I should be looking at the colors to think about, well, what is the meaning of the colors to my uh, target audience? And then when I put that logo in the colors, it needs to be cohesive on my website, my social feeds, on any of my print. I'm not sure if messaging comes as part of that, but I'll throw messaging in there. What do you think branding is, Elizabeth? Very similar. Yeah, having that like very cohesive color palette and logo throughout all the uh, media types you produce. Yeah, the story behind it. I Again, I don't know if that goes into messaging, but the story behind the logo and the story of your company 
also kind of traveling with you and your logo wherever it goes. Okay, so Bob, okay. what what is the right answer? So this is where you begin to hate me, right? Oh <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, what you've talked about is executing the brand. You execute um, what you want people to feel. And you always use the word feel or what is the emotional attachment to your product, your service, because you really should ask the question, how does, and this, this cuts across to everybody, it's your customer, it's your vendors, it's your partners. And so when you sit in sessions and you talk about branding, you should say, okay, is that consistent with my brand? And so you're really driven to this spot that says, how, what's the emotional appeal? How do people feel? So you think Nike is a great one. How do people feel about Nike when they put those shoes on or they put the top and the shorts on and they experience the brand? And when you start to see how Nike executes on that brand, you'll see what are their commercials? Their commercials are phenomenal, right? They're yeah. very memorable. You watch them and you, you, know, you can't help but have a teardrop. But that all, all has to do is how do you feel when you actually deal with the brand? Okay. And, and customer service comes into it. How do you, American Express, how do you answer the phone? How do you script that person answering the phone? If you follow up with a letter, what's the letter stock? So that was Bob Reed. He's amazing. I'm sure you're going to think so also. His episode, just to give another little shout out on it, is 164. I would tell you, download that one a lot. Take notes because he gives you a lot of really great tips on how you should handle marketing and sales for your business. So we're going to move over to episode 175. And remember, I told you these are in no particular order. So don't think that it's like, these are the most you know, favorite or I'm starting from the bottom up or whatever. I just randomly picked. I looked through the list and I went, okay, I can see which one people are downloading. So we're going to play those. So 175 is Jason Krause. He is the founder of Prepare the Letter, the number four and VC for venture capital. He has been uh, really instrumental in putting, pulling together a community that is there to support startups that are wanting to raise money. There is so much to know. He has presenters, he has workshops, he has webinars, he has things that you can listen in on Clubhouse. And I did something this week with that particular group also, Prepare for VC. It was on Twitter Spaces. Twitter Spaces is like Clubhouse and and there's just a you know a lot of those platforms out there where it's a giant facilitated conference call is what i would say it's not zoom it's just voices anyway um jason also has a book that he has written about getting ready to fundraise so we're you know we gave a little shout out on the show for that but he's he's a great guest you know he cares for people very very deeply you can tell that based on how he's interacting with everyone. So let's take a listen to this particular snippet from his show of 175. I'm gonna to go to the next question. Um, top three places to visit in Boston and why? 
I've been to Boston. I love it. And I already picked my three places, but I want to see what you tell me. Um, Fenway Park. Oh, I've so never gone like, there. Okay, I want to go. Yeah, historical ballpark. And um, obviously you get to root for the Red Sox. Okay. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say, you know, the, the Faneuil Hall area is really good. Um, you know, just they have the market in the middle with like all the, you know, different food places. And there's a lot of, you know, bars and Hall? restaurants. It's yeah, it's it's called like Quincy Market. It's it's uh, right downtown Boston. I don't know. I was in this big mall and there was just tons of places to eat and it was amazing. And I just went, I don't remember. It's been three years. I'm going to have to come back. I'm going to have to come visit you and Steve. Sounds good. Um, and then. Yeah, I'd say like the the uh, newer area, you know, I'm in or actually in right now is uh, it's called Seaport and um, basically a lot of new you know um they've basically been building it up from you know more of like a, a port industrial district into like um you know a lot of new restaurants and bars and um you know there's uh it's right on the waterfront and um nice. yeah a lot of cool you know there's a couple there a couple breweries and other places around here too to go out and you know check out oh cool all right so the places i went to were harvard <laughs> i like schools so i went to harvard I oh yeah the harvard's a great campus to walk around i went to bu yeah i spent a whole day at harvard and i just went and i was underground i was in all of the tunnels it was so amazing i went what this is education and it was big enough to drive two golf carts you know going and still have people walking in it there was art galleries underground it was really cool and then MIT, um, I went there and I saw a Chinese, uh, you know, Christmas, so to speak. They oh, were cool. celebrating that down there as a it was a Christmas music. And then I went to BU, Boston uh, University. So you know that was really cool. So I was hitting all of the schools I could possibly navigate while I was up there. And I we tried to go to the museum. I think that was is that the, where they did the night in the museum, or is that in New York? I think that's in New York, but um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we tried to get into a historical museum. We did not, but we ran all over. There's this walking tour you do throughout uh, all of the Boston. MFA. If you like arts, is is really good. Uh, oh, I Museum would, of Fine Arts. Yeah, yeah, I would like that. But there was this walking tour, and we went to different uh, historic places. Um, it's some walk. I can't remember the name of it right now, but um, I'll look it up. But it, uh, the Freedom Trail, probably. That is it. Yes. As soon as you said it, like we did that, it was 22 degrees outside, but it didn't feel cold. I don't know why it was just <laughs> different. Florida cold is different. Anyway, so that was cool. Those were my three places that I you know, ran all over Boston. Um, does life exist on other planets? Yes or no? I think yes, but not like in our like, I don't think it's close enough to be on, you know, Mars or something like that. But probably you know um in a galaxy far far away <laughs> are you a star trek or a star wars person uh more star wars but you know seen them both yeah so that was the episode with jason and i was really excited to talk with him i'm pretty sure you could tell that 
Uh, one of my favorite questions to ask every guest is, is there life outside of this earth? And it's interesting to see what the responses are. Surprisingly, most people are telling me, yes, they do believe it exists. It could be some type of algae or it could be, you know, humans, whatever. But the answer is uh, towards the middle of the show when you're listening. If you go and you listen to any of the episodes for this year, I wasn't asking this question the previous year. And just in case you hear any background noise, we are celebrating the uh, New Year's. There are fireworks going off all around us here. So hopefully you're celebrating yourself and you're going to be you know, having an adult beverage when you listen to this episode. That was Jason Krause with the founder and CEO of Prepare for VC, and that was episode 175. The next episode that I'm bringing up is Kimberly Edwards. She is the head of Avalon Encore. It's an assisted living facility over in Avalon Park in Orlando, Florida. Her episode is 150. Now, what's what's amazing about this particular woman is that she knew even still when she first went into college she wanted to go into a career path of service and she she chose the assisted living track within her major and that is what she has stayed in for years she has made that truly her life calling and what many people when you listen to this episode, you may not know is, well, what's assisted living? How is that different from a hospice center? How is that different from independent living? What are these things? And it's, it is good to know because at some point in time, that might be the path that you take when you're choosing how you want to live in those golden years. And it is also something that's going to come up whether you have parents and what was an, an, another interesting fact that Kimberly shared is that many times there's people that have been a, a bad accident, and it could be that they're in a, a quadriplegic, a paraplegic. They ended up they end up living in assisted living facilities also if they don't have anybody that can care for them in the in the home that they live in. So there was a lot of of tidbits and information that came out of this show that was very educational. Let's go and listen to what, in this case, Kimberly Edwards has to tell us. And remember that is episode 150. I was thinking assisted living was like nursing homes where it's somebody that's bedridden. And to me, that's part of what assisted living is. They're bedridden. But I don't know if there's a difference between nursing home and assisted living, is it? Okay. There's there definitely a difference. So you need to come to Encore and visit us. I am going a to. a lot of vibrancy and a lot of life going on in that building. Assisted living, people are ambulatory. We have, we have two levels of care. We have people with dementia. So we have a secured memory care unit. And then we have assisted living and the residents in assisted living come and go, you know, they go to the grocery, they go out to dinner with their parents now post COVID there. I mean, with their children, they're able to, you know, go out more freely, but you called it a nursing home. Like I said, there's it, the acronym is SNF skilled nursing facility, but people would call it a rehab. Uh, they're all the same. So it's 
kind of independent living, assisted living, then when you have more critical nursing skills that are needed, you will go into a nursing facility or you will go into a rehab facility after a hospital stay to get rehab to go home. That was the episode 150 with Kimberly Edwards, who is also the executive director out there at Avalon Encore. I want to just really give you encouragement to go and listen to that show. It is very, very packed with good information because, it, like I said, at some point in time, it's going to be something that you may have to do, whether it's for parents, somebody else in your family. You can help a friend. It could be a choice that you're having to make for yourself. All right, we're going to be moving over to episode 166 with David Washington. David Washington is a political consultant. He is one of the partners in the firm Myers and Washington, and his take on life is really interesting. I use that word a lot. I'm trying to find another word. David ha helps. It could be on both sides of the party, honestly, Democrats or Republicans. There's a lot of information in his particular show that will give you enlightenment as to what it takes to work in the political arena. Is it going to be like what you see on TV? I don't know. you got to go watch the show. And you'll also learn some interesting, there I said the word again, information about David. And I will tell you one particular thing that was that was cool about him is that he has a twin brother. I did not know that. It came out in the show and I've known him for a while. Let's take a little peek at what David is sharing with us on this episode. Tell us about your three companies. Okay, so my three companies, uh, let's start with Myers and Washington. Uh, when I left DCF here in Orange County and just kind of taken in Florida, I was uh, with my brother who was visiting at a uh, one of those uh, coffee trucks, food trucks uh, on Par Street. And um, I, he's a big coffee aficionado or whatever they call themselves. I said, oh, Doug, you got to try this coffee. And so we went there and I had my first mocha latte or whatever you want to call it. And I'm just sitting there enjoying it. And my brother strikes up a conversation with this, this blonde. And I'm like, okay, here he goes flirting. And they get into a conversation about politics. And I'm like, oh, my brother's way out of this, you know, league here. And um, all of a sudden I, I hear my brother volunteering me to help um, uh, Wendy is her name, Wendy's friend in her campaign. And I'm like, I don't want to go back to politics. I walked away, you know, some years ago. I'm tired. And uh, Wendy persuaded me to help her uh, candidate. It was uh, then candidate Emily Bonilla, who was running for Orange County uh, Commissioner District 5. And I said, you know, I'm not doing anything. I can learn a little bit more about Orange County. And I decided to go ahead and uh, uh, introduced myself to Emily and her husband, Mel, and I said, you don't know me, I don't know you. However, I know how to win campaigns. I've done mm. it in Illinois, I can help you. And, um, you know, all I ask is that we communicate, have open communication. And uh, don't pay me, uh, I will prove myself to you, just pay for my dinner. 
That was David Washington with episode 166. There's a lot of things that were other that were also discussed about being in the politics arena. Hope that you enjoy it. Go take a listen to that one. The episode that's coming up next is 171. That's with Lonnie Snyder. He works with the 2022 Special Olympics. I think this show was the most moving out of all of the shows that we've had. The reason why is, if you don't know what the Special Olympics are, definitely listen to the show because you will find out quite a bit. They do quite a bit of spotlighting individuals with Down syndrome. He has two children that he and his wife adopted, well, actually three that have Down syndrome. And the way that he talks about his kids, his wife, extremely moving. I can only tell you that if you listen to this show and you're not moved to sign up and volunteer at the 2022 Olympics, you should still do it, even if you're not moved to do so, but you still should just because there is so much that you can give back and it gives you a different perspective on what you have to be grateful for in your life. This is episode 177, Lonnie Snyder. So what are some of the misperceptions that people have about Down syndrome? What could we have our listeners learn from this episode? Uh, I think I, I've heard some crazy stuff. So uh, in my travels, when I, I talked about my kids and showed them pictures, I get, oh, how sweet, how, how nice of you, good for you, or mm -hmm. bless your heart, you know, which means you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, they're just people, right? Mm -hmm. um, they have the same needs. They still want to be heard. They want to be loved. They want to be paid attention to. When I get in the door at home, my son screams Bubba, which is daddy in Chinese, and like literally runs like a little elephant stomping as hard and as fast <laughs> as he can to get my attention. Um, you know, and he just wants to be picked up and to play. I tell you, he really shared, Lonnie really shared quite a bit about what it was like raising his kids. And they're, they're still small children, to be honest. Please go and listen to that show and please go look for the Special Olympics. It is in every part of the world. It is celebrated. I believe it's at the same time, but don't quote me on that. It, it's different times. We'll say it's different times. Just Google Special Olympics 2022 check it out see how you can get involved you will find it very very rewarding all right our next episode that's coming up is episode 153 the future of sustainable farming with carolyn chomanix she is the program manager she runs quite a bit more than just the programs over there at fleet farming in orlando florida Fleet Farming is underneath another organization called Ideas for Us. They're all about making change. And that was one of the things that I really appreciated about Carolyn sharing what Fleet Farming is and also about how people should care about what's going on in the world around us, the food that you eat, how you can actually make a difference as just one person very, very inspiring. If you're a person that is also 
wanting to learn more about environmental awareness, being able to start a small farm, if you call it that, or a garden in your own home, having real food that you've been able to uh, raise and eat, go and listen to Carolyn share about her about her engagement and what she does with fleet farming. So let's go and listen to her right now. And that is episode 153. Of fleet farming, but where did the ideas for us come? So we have the parent organization yes. and then we have the program. Let's start with ideas for us. Cool. Yeah, so ideas for us started in about 2008 on the UCF campus. It was a group of students who were really tired about hearing about advocacy and they wanted to take direct action. So they started to do environmental events on and off campus. Really since then, it grew into a nonprofit. It grew into an NGO accredited by the United Nations. And now we have multiple programs that are, you know, really flagship programs of Ideas for Us, including Fleet Farming, and that started in 2014. And so fleet farming is an urban agriculture program that turns the average American lawn into a productive micro farm, mostly by bicycle. And we have um, three different parts of our program. We have our lawns to farms program with fleet farmlets or micro farms. We have edible landscapes and edible landscaping service. And then we have fleet education that educates and empowers people to grow their own food. That was just a really quick snippet as to what we talked about inside of this whole discussion of micro farming, of ideas for us. Please go listen to that show. Look them up. Chris Castro had started this as a student at UCF. He is now engaged in so many causes. Some of the work that's been done is to eliminate plastic bags, the use of plastic in stores in the Orlando, downtown Orlando area, eradicating the use of straws unless they're asked for, not just handing them out. Again, those little things can make the biggest difference in the environment. 153, Carolyn Chamonics. Okay, so now we're gonna take a little break. Uh, we're gonna go and recognize our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. So here we go. All right, remember I told you that there's gonna be some things that'll pop up here as we're doing this particular show? Well, this was one of those lucky things that just happened here. So now let's go and recognize Cat5 Studios. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. All right, so the, we, we took care of that one. That's great. Now we're going back to the show. We're going to go look and continue to count down the most downloaded episodes. This one is Rosangela Parker. She is the executive director of Orlando City District. Now, I, if you haven't figured this out yet, I live in Orlando. My company is based out of Orlando. So we do have a lot of people as guests that are from this area, but we also have people outside of the area for sure. Anyway, Rosangela, as I said, is uh, the dr executive director of City District. Now, if you're not sure what that is, 
then go and look up Main Streets. That's probably something that you've heard about, but if not, it is an organization that is throughout the United States where groups, uh, blocks of the city are pulled together and through those various numbers, they're able to do business with each other, encourage each other to do business. There is federal money that helps support this program to actually drive economic development and revenue to cities. So let's go and listen to Rosangela Parker talk about her role inside of Orlando City District. Could be something else, but let's see what she has to say. Well, I can tell you the heart of Orlando here in downtown has a lot of eyes on it and there's a lot of interest. And so I do expect an influx of new businesses that have opted to relocate from other states into the state of Florida to consider Orlando as their new home base. Yeah, we don't um, have to have state income tax returns. Yeah. So that's a big that's plus. That's a huge plus, a big draw. And if you consider the beautiful Florida weather, that's also a big Year plus. round. Year round. So we were talking about obviously the advantages to having a business here in Florida. That's one of the reasons why I love living here is, you know, we don't have huge natural disasters. We have hurricanes, but we have days. We have plenty of notice to be able to prepare for that and, and evacuate. Whereas you don't always have that in other states where there might be earthquakes or tornadoes. The other thing is that our weather, it is always pretty, pretty consistent. We don't have to worry about snow. Um, we do have hot weather, that is for sure, but and some humidity. But, you know, what is it that you want to trade off? I guess that's the point. But Orlando has a lot of great economic incentives. You can go check out Orlando City District if you Google it. A Rose Angeles episode is 158, and I would encourage you to listen to it. Our next guest is John Shulman. He is uh, one of my favorite ones to to bring up here. John is a Harvard grad. He has a degree in law. He was an attorney. He still does have an active license. He, I met John at the Serious Play conference. He brought up a, a game that was there to teach people how to uh, negotiate deals, how to craft persuasion through gamification. His particular or, oh, well, his particular webinar that came up had the most activity that I had seen throughout. I was a moderator for the Serious Play Conference, had the most activity I had seen out of the three days of moderating. There were a lot of people that signed up for that particular episode that he was, he was uh, sharing with us. His company is Alignable, and... It, it is a gamified approach to teaching persuasion and the art of selling. But John's going to be talking about some other things here in this particular snippet. So let's take a listen to what it is that he has to share. What was your area of specialty that you wanted to have? Yeah, so I, I really wanted to focus on bringing about justice for people who I felt, you know, were excluded from opportunity, who were treated in unjust ways. Like trafficking, human trafficking? Well, I didn't get involved in any human trafficking cases specifically. I did things around, I had to focus in certain areas of law that I, you know, that I had people come to me talking to me about pretty frequently. So it involved things like housing discrimination, 
educational segregation and discrimination. So the, the schools through, you know, K-12 schools throughout the United States are shockingly segregated by right race and income. I think that's one of the, the takeaways from that particular episode is that there is as advanced as our country is and also with the um, particular opportunities we have in education and in business, all of those in our governments, there's also a lot of things that we don't see. And I, the year of 2020 really revealed a lot of that, whether it was the racial injustices that were happening, COVID was rampant, economic factors were impacting businesses, supply chain, food, all of these things were happening. And it was, it seemed like mass hysteria, honestly, at that time. The, the conversation that we had with John was centered around education and learning and how people learn. He is a brilliant man. I would really encourage you to listen to that episode and go and look up his company. It is mentioned also in the episode. It's episode 159. His company is Alignable. Very interesting man. I would like to bring him back again because he has so much knowledge to share. Now, this one that's coming up next is Kyle Morand and Bobby Torres, Robert Torres. They were my guests for the future of VR, virtual reality. These guys have a, a VR, virtual reality simulation company. They focus on also serious games. Some of them are entertainment, but, you know, for the most part, it's a lot of uh, a nice balance. I guess not for the most part, a nice balance of both. One of my favorite two men out of the Orlando game space, actually, I think everybody in Orlando game space is, is pretty cool because that whole environment, if it's a co-working space that I work out of, I work out of several different ones. And I will tell you that this particular co-working space is very supportive and collaborative. We always are looking for ways that we can pull each other's companies in and be very supportive of one another. Kyle and Bobby are two gentlemen that I think everybody should get to know. They are movers and shakers. They're very strategic, um, genuine people. So let's listen in on what they say the future of VR is like. What areas do you think VR will be used in the future aside from games, five to 10 years, and if you can make a guess, I don't know if you can, what do you think it's going to look like? Because there's a lot of speculation that it's not going to be something that we put on us. It's not like some type of apparel. It becomes something that's embedded into us. So I don't know what your thoughts are about that. But training, for sure. You guys have definitely talked about how it's used in training. Um, so I think that that's just going to continue to explode. But what are your thoughts? So touch on something that's really relevant and really hot right now. Um, NFTs has kind of come to the forefront, I think, again, um, as, as uh, and for those that don't know what NFTs are, just think about it as your, your pieces of your virtual avatar or something that, that exists digitally that only you have. And for that example about your virtual avatar, as things become more virtual, as we interact more, you know, digitally and virtually, being able to own a piece of something that is unique, just like in the real world, is going to become more important. So seeing the uh, uh, growth of consumer goods in the virtual space, I think is something that 
is now being talked about a lot. You know, how there's tons of problems with how that's going to happen. That was Bobby Torres sharing his thoughts about NFTs. And if you're not sure what that is, it's non-fungible tokens. It is tied to cryptocurrency and things of that nature in that fintech realm. Listen to this particular show. The other reason, well, you didn't get to hear Kyle talk. Both really intelligent men, and they just know how to have fun. This whole group does. That's episode 147. We're going to switch over to Max, uh, Mac Pritchard. His company is Max List, and his show is 173. This gentleman is a HR guru. He actually is there to help people find jobs. He's based out of Oregon. Um, you'll learn a lot about him if you go and listen to his show. Going into 2022, one of the goals that I have is to bring more guests on that talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, personality types, learning, how to find jobs, people that are experts in that area of what they think the future of work is going to look like. Let's listen in on what Mac has to say here. I'm kind of curious, when you say you volunteer, where is it that you do that? Because I do that with schools where I might do resume reviews or mock interviews. But I also have gone and done that with places like Career Source and um, Goodwill. My, I've volunteered in a lot of different ways over the years. My career before I started MaxList uh, was in communications, and I worked in politics, government, and nonprofits. So I was a volunteer on many political campaigns uh, over the years, and I currently serve on uh, a non the. A nonprofit board. I've been a board member a number of times, um, but you know, I was also the fellow who organized our block party in on my street for 14 years running, and uh, and the, and for many many years, I put together our family reunion. So, uh, to me, volunteering is it's about connecting with others. But um, when you give, you get so much in return, far more. I really love the aspect of what he was focusing on about giving. And that is truly the heart of people in HR and education in the nursing field. All of these people that are public servants, police and firemen uh, or you know, fire people, <laughs> they all are there to serve. And when you're volunteering, I think the volunteering gets kind of a bad rap People don't see it as something, sometimes they don't see it. You'll see it on a person's resume and it's, it seems to be dismissed in that consideration as to what is going on with this person. I think that people that volunteer, they give in the community, uh, it de really demonstrates that they know that it's not about them. It is about serving. It is about an experience giving other people experience uh, a customer experience if you will and that's an important thing not everybody wants to volunteer and statistic statistically it's one in three will step up to the plate and actually be a person that volunteers that's even on a committee you could have 12 people that are there to serve at a nonprofit board and you're only going to see three out of the 12 that are really doing the most work that some people do it as a resume builder just to have their name 
on there. Some people do it because they truly enjoy making a difference. And then there's reasons that are not those two. The point is that by volunteering, you actually are giving back. It is a form of work. It is a way to make a difference in your community. And we were having that conversation tied around the resume. Please go and listen to Mac. His show episode is 173. The guest that's coming up next is Joseph Simmons. He is the founder of, well, not the CEO, but the founder of the Center for Micro Entrepreneurial Training. The reason why his show was so popular, I'm going to tell you, if you've ever seen any shows about people back in the early 1900s or late 1800s when they were like all living together in a house, and if you are a fan of Dolly Parton, you'll probably know what I mean because the whole family was there. They didn't have money for shoes. They were really poor. Well, that's the story that Joseph was sharing with us. And he went from that lifestyle. His his dad was a preacher. His family had very little money, but man, they weren't lacking for anything. And he shares that joy and the gratitude that his family, he experienced as a child with his family. He went on to college. He graduated with business courses started businesses, worked for giant companies, and how he, I can't even say that he overcame any challenges because I don't think he even saw them as a challenge. He just saw things in his life in a very positive way. And he also took advantage of opportunities and he worked super hard. Let's listen in on what Joseph Simmons has to say in episode 170. the oldest or the baby or the I am middle? the baby by 20 years oh my god you are the most interesting okay he is now Doseki's man <laughs> he's up there with my brother because I put my brother up there I said you're the most interesting man I know so I have a, just a few but you have just gone right on up there these stories are going this is going to be a great show is all I know oh the pressure's on me now but oh my god you don't have to put that pressure on you you just tell those stories because that's amazing let's talk about your background. You said that you went to Marshall. Well, I could talk about this because there's that great movie. We're going to talk about the movie and then also how you ended up to where you are now. So what is that journey looking like? Uh, let's see. I was uh, born and raised in a small town of 800 people called Lester, West Virginia. Mm. It was... Uh, and I know that people would say this. Hey, mama, daddy. <laughs> they, but I don't even have the twang down because, you know, my ex-husband, he was from that area. And I noticed that within two days, I had it down. And I went, where did this come from? <laughs> from Virginia. <laughs> it was amazing to me. That was the show with Joseph Simmons. And he shared that he came from a town of only 800 people. I don't even know if you could imagine that. I, maybe in your neighborhood, if you know the 800 people around you, I don't think people know that. They know people on social feed, or they say they know people on, on their social channels, but you really don't. It's not the same as living in a small town. This gentleman was delightful. He was so engaging. You will laugh. You will just be amazed. You will want to reach out to have conversations with him. Do all of those things. Joseph is delightful. Our next guest that we're going to be giving a spotlight to is the founder and CEO of Connective Human. His name is Bo Lowen, and 
His episode number is 133. He is a veteran. He served in the military after he left. I think he was in there for seven years. He decided to go out into another uh, side of business, and he saw how he could pull together, here's that volunteering thing again, in the nonprofit sector and pull corporate America together with a nonprofit, and it would benefit both people. So let's go and listen to Bo tell us about the world of nonprofit and how that actually helps for profit. I think it's going to look like for nonprofits because, you know, we're having some issues where the IRS has been taking away some of the um, donations. So I think that you're providing a solution where we are helping nonprofits, for profits are really um, working together to support them and it increases their donor base. Right. And so there's a couple of things. So, especially being where we were at here, just outside of Tampa and like St. Pete, like based in that area. Everybody's going after pretty much the same dollars in the community. Like there's only so many corporations that have so much dollars to give, right? Mm -hmm. So that's number one. And I know that's that I know that's very like a very basic pragmatic statement, like common sense statement. But when you break it down and break down the layers, you're like, okay, look, how can we give back to those dollars though, as a nonprofit? It's coming from strictly from like a startup nonprofit, even a medium nonprofit that seems some growth. It's like, yo, what can you do to create something that really gives back? to that corporation that donated to you? How can you create that long-term relationship so you have that, right? So you, your cultures are together, you're one, right? And mine always, again, that's why the, the pairing corporations with nonprofits through retreats, like we always had something that we were serving back to them, meaning, yo, you get this training, you paid for it. It's a donation, but you paid for it. Come check out this growth mindset training with these kids for four hours. We're gonna run you through four workshops. It's gonna be great, let's go. But what do you think is gonna, so that was Bo talking about how he can pull together both corporate, small, medium-sized businesses, and it's actually working as a hand-in-hand -hand way to bring awareness to causes, things that matter to people, ways to get involved, ways to, to not only just give your time, but to give acts of service, which is different from just even time, and then also being able to raise awareness in a bigger way so that other people know more about that organization they may give donations super nice super way of being able to connect now the other thing that Bo does in connective human is he does workshops and training on a positive mindset you definitely want to go and check out his website go and listen to the whole episode 133 to learn more okay <clears throat> so our next guest that is coming up is UCF professor Richard Brunson. He is in the communications field. Now, one of my interns that was with me at that time, his name is Cesar Delgado. He was talking about this professor and he sounded so incredibly good. We had to have him on the show. And so let's take a listen to this particular episode. So give me just a minute here. revered from the students that you impact that you have meaning in their lives and they come away so much better so just making sure that you know that you're loved at UCF 
I'm delighted to be with you, Isabella. Thank you so much uh, for that and for having me on today. Well, I appreciate it. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background, where you went to school, why you ended up in the communications field, and why in education? Because for me, that's fascinating. I know our listeners will like that also. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been at UCF as an instructor of journalism uh, for the last 18 years. I've been a professional working journalist for the past 36. Now, the coolest part for me, and it's why I pinch myself almost every time I drive on campus, is that I'm teaching journalism where I learned it. I studied journalism at the University of Central Florida, graduated with a degree in sociology and journalism in uh, 1984, and then became... My first job was was as an obituary writer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, at the Sanford Herald, which is still in publication up in uh, Sanford, Florida. That was my first job. And then uh, stayed at the paper there for about a year and a half and moved on to other things like writing about public safety and being a city hall reporter. And then basically for the next uh, 20 years, I worked in newspapers along uh, the I-4 corridor, the Daytona Beach News Journal. Mm -hmm. I was uh, at the Tampa Tribune for 10 years and then came back home to my hometown paper, the Orlando Sentinel, and and had a great career there as a copy editor, desk editor, columnist for a while, a history columnist, and then started teaching as an adjunct at UCF. Got a call from a former professor one night when I was still at the Sentinel, and he said, Rick, we hear you have a master's degree, and uh, we need somebody to teach news reporting. Would, Would you be interested? And I came out and did it and fell in love with it. And my mother was a longtime and is a retired elementary school teacher. So education has been in my own background and DNA since, you know, I was a little kid. So I adjuncted a class and they kept inviting me back. And then uh, when they had uh, someone on the faculty who retired, they invited me to apply for the job if I was interested. And I did, and I got the job and I've been teaching ever since and love it. It's like I said, I pinch myself that I get to teach journalism where I learned to be a journalist and get to help prepare the next generation of young people who love this and want to do it for the right reasons and to have a hand in their in shaping their career and and their education and it is just a thrilling opportunity that I never take for granted for a single day that is he you can tell he really loves what it is that he does and I think that is the gift of every educator they are there to actually give back They want to help shape the minds, as he mentioned in there, be able to be a conduit that can help people understand where they came from and what it should look like in the future. Not all professors are wired that way, I can honestly say, but man, this gentleman, he is really somebody that uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed. I've reached out to him a couple of other times. Richard Brunson, B-R-U-N-S-O-N, and he is at University of Central Florida. His episode is 142, and I can tell you, I've had a lot of UCF students uh, work, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of them, and they all talk about this professor. He is an incredible person that has made serious impact. All right, our next guest coming up is Rajiv Manan. He is the CEO and um, founder of Informulate. Informulate is a software app company. His episode is 174. So when I was having this conversation with Rajiv, he shared something that I had no idea. He has a huge heart 
for being able to give back to the community. I, I know that that wasn't the surprising thing. He's a um, an organizer with something that Techstars puts on called Startup Weekend. So he helps put that on here in Orlando. There's also a monthly meetup on Lean, uh, Lean, Lean Startup where we learn about business model canvas and also strategizer uh, customer discovery. He is involved with uh, several other nonprofits, but in this particular episode, he was sharing about how he uh, is supporting from India. That's where he's originally, he was born from, um, but how he and Sunira, who is one of the co-founders of Stack, Stacks, S-T-A-X, um, give back to their community. So let's take a little listen to what he's talking about. You know, this uh, project that actually, I don't know if I've told you this before, but Sunira and I uh, fund the education of about 24 kids in India. No, uh, tell us. Yeah, absolutely. So my wife's uncle is someone who does a lot, who has done, you know, work in that space for three decades. And he has, he has a lot of, um, you know, different projects all over the country. And one of the projects he was looking for funding for was this project in the middle of the country, right in the middle of India, uh, called Khandwa. It's a tiny town there. And he's got an even tinier little village next to it called Sudamapuri, which is uh, just, you know, extremely poor, like people are living in tents and uh, it, it's super hot. There's no water, all kinds of issues. And so he set up his uh, center there and uh, there's all these tribal kids that um, basically have no access to any real education and the public schools are not great. So we actually are sending them to private school. You know, this uh, project. I think that that is a gift to be able to give back. I, I hope that what you're seeing from a lot of these guests is that it's always about serving, serving others. It's about how we can give back. It's about keeping an eye towards the future. What does the future look like in 2030? We haven't pulled some of those snippets up here, but please make sure you listen to these shows. You'll be able to learn so much about how there's volumes. There's just hundreds and thousands of people volumes of people that are giving in their communities and making a difference. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that when you're in business, you have a responsibility to use that business wisely to give back. That's part of what employers for change is, is we have to have a change in the workplace so that we can actually be focusing on the future and preparing for that. And how do we do that? We invest in our employees, just like Rajiv and Sunira are investing in the students in India to be able to give them a better education. All right, so that was episode 174 with Rajiv Menon. The next episode that comes up is episode 143, The Future of Education. Dr. Calvin Williams, he's been a guest on my show several times, and you'll see him again in 2022. We often sit and talk about what is it going to look like in a year, in two years, three years, 2030? What will education be like? And so that was where we had that as our, our topic, is what does the future of education look like? And we mean higher ed. That can even start with high school, but it's also in higher ed. How is it going to change? 
especially because of COVID and having so many things that are going on with remote learning. How do we make sure that people are prepared for skills now, but skills in 2030? Let's listen in. Uh, you're going to hear me talking first, but then Calvin, well, Dr. Williams, Calvin, he's going to weigh in. There's going to be a hybrid even now. Internships will move not necessarily just even from like uh, doing it as a quarter thing. It's being able to really integrate an internship experience directly make it parallel kind of like dual enrollment they used to do this back in high school way back in the day where people would go to work they'd go to school half time but it was a blended and everything counted so i feel like there will be more of a movement to make internships even more valuable because it is closing that gap for what the students experience to be able to get into the workforce more quickly no, I, I, I agree with you. We're going to see, and we have seen in the higher education space where internships, um, co-ops at some larger universities, and now even some smaller apprenticeships are coming back um, because what you're going to see is education is great, but getting the skills to actually do the job, um, the benefit for the employer is there. They get, they get labor and they get to mold and actually do a pre- um check qualifying yeah you want yeah, to qualify of, of someone and then with students my biggest thing with them is like do as many internships as possible try it before you buy it see what you like because coursework and then actual work are different things so that was dr calvin williams he is a truly i think a visionary and somebody that is uh, a person that Again, everyone should know, I would tell you that about every single guest. They're amazing here. Please go and listen to him. Connect with him on LinkedIn. He does do individual consulting. He works at Indian River University or Indian River Community College um, down in South Florida. He is just a, an, a, an impressive man. He is always about giving back. I think that's the case of most people in education, to be honest. All right, so the episode that comes up next is Tony Bagsby with Corgi Art House. Tony works as, again, a person in education at Full Sail University. He also has his own um, VR, 3D, and uh, yeah, I don't think he does virtual reality, but 3D art company. He does a lot of 3D work uh, with other companies inside of Orlando Game Space. Tony, uh, well, now the secret behind the Corgi Art House is he is a fan of that particular breed. And when you see that, you'll, you'll know that that dog that is the mascot, the logo on his company, that was one of his dogs. So you'll have a little insight into what makes Tony tick. But let's go and listen to him share more about Corgi Art House and Full Sail. We're going to talk about how many courses does a student take when they're over there because so, like regular college i might take you know four credits and that could be or 12 hours and so you know well i'm sorry 12 hours of classes but that's like four credits four classes period how does so it there for the most part students take two classes a month and it's 20 months so that's roughly 40 classes their time there 
but I know that not every term they're taking two classes. So it might be kind of more like 32, 36, I'm not sure. How many courses does this? One of the things that Full Sail does is they have a very accelerated program. Every course is four weeks long. It is highly intensive. It is very engaged. You will um, move super fast in the course and learn a lot, but they are accelerating that process of, of learning so that you don't have to spend four years in a school. Four weeks is uh, the, the short, the time frame to be in the courses. That's what he's referencing. If you want to know more about Full Sail, you can go visit Full Sail University on a Google search. Uh, Tony Bagsby, you can find him at Corgi Art House, C-O-R-G-I Art House. This gentleman cares deeply about his students. He also is a big fan of art. And when we did the Armed Forces Game Jam, he created a game that was built around, you guessed it, corgis. <clears throat> so our next show that we're gonna, oh, and Tony's is what, episode 152. Our next episode that's coming up is 148. And we were talking about the future of aquaponics. And this is another professor. It's a Cornell professor, Michael Timmons. He's in the agriculture school. He is bringing the world of aquaponics and vertical growing to us. I would tell you, listen to or watch this show on video. He is hysterical. If you've ever watched anything like Bill Nye, the science guy, you have to be able to watch him. His, he's holding up beakers. He's showing us all kinds of things. It, you do, it just doesn't translate in necessarily in the audio version because you can't see what he's showing. However, he's still entertaining, even if you're only in the audio version. His episode is 148, The Future of Aquaponics. Here we go with Michael Timmons. You've heard of organic produce. Well, what is organic produce? Hmm. Everything, you can almost say almost everything is organic. But a long time ago, Cesar, when I was a young boy, okay, we had the organic movement, okay? And by the way, if you look at pictures, at one point I had pigtail, and uh, if you're an organic farmer, you kind of have to like look like an organic farmer. And back in the 60s, okay, we'd have long hair and things hanging on us, you know. And, Okay, and so we would go, yeah, we got to do this naturally. We got to do it naturally. And so we go, well, the most natural way of farming is using animal waste, animal manures, and we'd take the manures from the barn and then we would put them into the soils, and then those would mineralize, create nutrients for the plants. Or if we're a bigger farmer, We'll put one type of crop one year, like a green crop, and then we'll plow that under. So that mineralizes. It's really that was Professor Timmons. You're going to learn so much about farming that you just didn't even know anything. You thought you knew stuff, but you really won't. Um, he'll also be able to share more about aquaponics because right there he's talking about how we have to get away from growing in the land because land can be a very costly way of farming. 
And if you look for vertical growth, you can put more crops in a smaller space, a smaller footprint. Our next guest that's coming up is, let's see, Kevin Miller. And we're talking about the future of VR in healthcare. Now, Kevin started, you know, with his company when it was, I think it was like 20, 20 something years ago. And it's obviously an established company, but it was a startup at one point in time as an artist. And he's moved on up where he is running that whole art department. What is interesting with Kevin is that I met him also at the Serious Play Conference. And this was virtual learning how to do surgery um, through virtual reality. And so instead of students going into the morgue where they uh, get cadavers and they learn how to do surgery that way on um, the deceased, they were doing it through virtual reality. And there's these hands that are floating around in the in the air, they have gloves on, but it will feel like they are actually, and I say feel is the key word, um, you, it would feel like they were actually doing the surgery because of how realistic the virtual reality experience was with this particular product. Let's listen to Kevin Miller tell us more about this particular advancement in learning. What is Invivo and, and how did you get your start into it? Yeah, uh, so Invivo is a, a specialized digital medical communications company. Uh, we've been around since 1998 and um, I am proud to be one of the founding members. Okay, uh, so, so go back a minute though and how did it get its name and was that the original name and did it more? No, so that's actually, that's actually part of the story. The, okay. the original name uh, when I first joined and I joined a few months after sort of its inception was, uh, it was called Bronskill Mediascape. And it was a division within a sports marketing company. And the owner of the sports marketing company, his wife worked in the biotechnology space. And this sports marketing company was developing installations for Major League Baseball and NHL hockey and uh, wrestling that were like experiential designs and conferences and installations and materials for them. And the, the wife was saying, listen, I operate in a field in which this type of work doesn't exist in the healthcare space. You know, do you think that there's people on your team that could ultimately develop things that were specific for the science community? And, you know, and in her searching, she didn't find a lot of companies that were being able to support them like that. And so um, they put together a very small team uh, within, within Bronskill called Mediascape. And there was three of us and I served as the medical illustrator, animator, and compositor, uh, as well as part of the um, medical content side. And we ultimately kind of gave this a go. We were given the mandate to try and see if there was a market for, uh, for building out a medical side. That was Kevin Miller. And just so you know, his last name is spelled M-I-L-L-A-R. The company is in vivo. If you're gonna go look for it, this episode is 168. He was a very entertaining guest, very articulate, very educational in his delivery of the information. The website is amazing. It feels very, very futuristic. So if you want to go check that out, please do so. Uh, there's a lot more to Kevin's story, so I hope that you'll go and listen to it for sure. The next person that is going to be coming up here is 
Jordan Dobble. Jordan Dobble is actually somebody that uh, I've known for a little while. Jordan's company is, uh, just a second, I'm having a little bit of the name difficulty getting things to, to line up over here correctly for me on his. Um, Kevin's, I mean, sorry, Jordan's show is about Simblox. That is his company and how they got started in the space of simulation. So let's go and listen to Jordan Dobble, which is episode 155. Oops, just a minute. It looks like I don't have the right, uh, right link going on here. So give me just a minute. Oh my goodness. Uh, let's see here. Remember I told you, this is with no video support today. Where did the name Simblock come from then? Yeah, did I forget to answer that? So Simblock, <laughs> I think at yeah. one point I had heard the phrase building blocks for simulation, right? And I was like, yeah, that's that's kind of like what I want to build, um, building blocks to help our customers utilize commercial gaming technologies, support the standards that we have to support in, in our industry. So, you know, sim blocks, right? Uh, and I don't know, somewhere I had seen IO was like the trendy tech thing to do. So sim blocks, it's our website. Yeah. Over there. It's awesome. That is, that's a, that's a good story. I thought it had something to do with Legos. I was thinking, I think you have a child, so it's going to have to do blocks because kids play blocks. Uh, nonetheless, it's yep. an interesting story. All right, so Jordan Dobble is somebody I, uh, he's just like a little brother to me, I have to tell you, to be honest. Um, really, really intellectual guy, super uh, amazing the way that he thinks. Uh, I've learned so much by working with him. We were pairing up together on this Armed Forces Game Jam and to create a cybersecurity game. And it was the first time I actually got to spend some time working with him like that for three days. Um, it was a hoot and a half. <laughs> he is brilliant, but you'll learn a lot. And he has, again, a company that's in that simulation virtual reality area. Uh, episode 155. Go and listen to more. I have only three more shows to share, and I think I've got to rush through them so that I give you guys plenty of time to be able to hear them. So give me just a minute so I can get that next show queued up for you. This one is, what do you think that the future of the industry looks like, you know, five to 10 years from now? I think they're going to be, well, I, I, it's, it's very hard to predict. Um, because given the, the pace of change and the level of disruption that's happening, uh, there are the, the, uh, the, the push to self-driving vehicles, I think will, will bear real fruit in that time frame. So we'll have likely multiple providers of autonomous vehicle solutions that can drive you where you want to go, or that can show up, uh, when you need a vehicle. Um, and that's, that's really key for a number of reasons. Obviously, safety on the road uh, is huge, but also the ability to utilize a vehicle at a much higher rate than a car is typically used today. So vehicles today are parked 95% of their lives. Mm -hmm. They're rusting and depreciating, and, uh, you know, costing you money and insurance and, and all the rest. Um, and so, but if you have a vehicle that can drive itself, then it's much easier to use that as part of a service of vehicles. And so 
if we can get to the point where we're cranking out you know tens of millions of self-driving cars every year you actually need many fewer of them to serve the, the... that was mark Frohn, fro Frohn mayor uh sorry i'm i'm pretty sure i didn't say it right the first time he was talking about electric cars and how that is really going to transform where we are in the world if you you probably have noticed that there's more teslas out there there's places where you can go plug your car in and recharge it with you know obviously electricity rather than using gas that's going to be being better for our environment it's pulling from another resource but his particular ones are also going to be focusing on some that are in that solar powered space so you would want to go and listen to Mark's show because I think he's from Seattle is what I'm remembering um, from up there in that side of the world for us in the United States. His episode is 144, where he talks about what that is going to look like uh, with electric cars, anything that's solar powered, even other ways that we can use electricity for transportation. It's really amazing. Hope you enjoy that particular one. Our second to last guest that's coming up is Jessica McClintock. Jessica is somebody that um, is in a woman in the aviation industry. I met her when I was a speaker uh, at the NBAA event uh, on leadership. And I would tell you, she is delightful. I think everybody should have Jessica as one of their their friends <laughs> because she is spontaneous she's focused she has fun she knows how to deliver with um just such intensity she is everything doseki's woman so i would tell you jessica when we're talking about the future of aviation this woman has her stuff pulled together so let's listen to her right now and that's episode 169 Have you have you looked into are you familiar with like the craze of like Microsoft Flight Simulator and what just like recently yeah. happened and how it blew up? Have you uh -huh. played with Microsoft Flight Simulator? And oh how? yeah. Um yeah, it's um I really enjoy those programs. In fact, um I am lucky enough to say that my boss at Feelerlinks is actually um uh, uh he's he's putting together the flight simulator in the other office right around the corner from me. Awesome. So, um I will be able to utilize that anytime I want. It is different just throwing that out there. Sure. <laughs> but it's not it, like is, it is so much fun. Now, it, 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 there, there's a lot of similarities and it's very addicting. It's very much like video game-esque with the ability to understand how everything works a little bit more. Have you, have you looked in? So that was Jessica McClintock, episode 169. I will tell you, Jessica's and the next guest, they had the most downloaded show. And even in this little competition that we've been having here for the past three days of you know, voting to say whose show is the best, their shows both are reigning as the champions. Um, Jessica, look her up on LinkedIn. She's not easy to find by her name, so you have to go listen to the show if you want to find Jessica. But she is extremely knowledgeable in that space of aviation. And we talked even about electric flying planes. I can't even imagine it, but it was an interesting conversation. So our last guest that we're going to be spotlighting here is Shalanda Simons-Emmanuel. 
One of my favorite, I met her through the Good Network. That's the professional association that I belong to. And Je uh, Shalanda is talking about work passion and multicultural diversity in this episode. But we just bonded. And there was this place where I, I really like her. She's somebody that you would know as the top five people you'd meet in heaven, pretty sure. So let's listen to Shalanda in this particular episode 167 have you have you looked into her sorry let me make sure i've got the right one here Just because you're honest doesn't mean you need to be brutal. Mm -hmm. You can be honest with compassion, right? And if you're coming from a perspective where you're saying, listen, I know this is going to be hard to hear, but I'm saying it because I love you or because I care about you or because I want to see you succeed. It's coming from a good place. And you try to be tender in your communication. People receive it a lot better than mm -hmm. if you're being brutally honest, right? And then the other factor that I look into is, okay, this might be an opportunity for me to share something with this individual, but are they ready? In that particular episode, we were talking about how to deliver bad news in a kind way. Uh, there's a lot of great tips that she was sharing in this show, but you know, we were both vibing off of each other for sure. It is about having diversity in the workplace. We know that's gonna happen. But how do we be respectful in the workplace without saying something that could be what's considered a microaggression or, you know, unintentionally hurting somebody's feelings? So those are the highlights of 2021 for the Intern Whisper. And as we move out of this show, we're going to be looking at what is coming. And if you... We're going to be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're going to be talking about leadership. We're going to be talking about a lot of those things that really matter in the workplace. I want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. I want to thank our video and editing team. Uh, music, uh, this particular piece of music is Sophie Lloyd, that open and the close. Um, other sound effects that we've had is Matt Miller, Miguel Centra, and Dave Francis. They've created those for us in the episodes and other music that you've heard throughout these these shows today is Charles Fleming. They were the music composers, Elijah Sutton and Dave Francis. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while scaling your people for the future. Thank you for supporting the Interim Whisper and subscribing to our show on Podbean or your favorite podcast channel. Thank you so much. Be safe. Look forward to seeing you in 2022.